Welcome to the Breakpoint Recap Show. I'm Gil Gross with Alex Gruskin. We have dissected the first five episodes of the Netflix docuseries Breakpoint. One through five. It's all there for you. And now we get to the, the even more fun stuff, arguably, Gruskin. We are so excited to talk to Taylor Fritz on this bonus edition of the Breakpoint Recap Show, who is featured on episode three of the first batch. Well, I am thrilled that you screwed up his name there, and all of you viewers will understand why as you watch this interview, because let's just say a similar incident occurs. The shoe was on the other foot, and I did not hear the end of it, but it was delightful to be able to sit down with someone who was a main character in episode three of these first five batch of episodes, uh, this first five batch, and... Look, he was candid. He offered us things that we didn't know behind the process for how this series was actually shot. I had a blast, Gil, didn't you? I did as well. Uh, journalistic sensibilities. Um, I do need to add that we were asked to keep it to break point from Taylor's team. So we obviously respected and honored that, but just thought uh, the viewers should have an understanding of of the, the terms of our discussion, which, as Gruskin said, was incredible. I think you will enjoy it very, very much. So without further ado, here it is. So happy to be joined on the Breakpoint Recap Show by world number eight Indian Wells champion Taylor Fritz. Taylor, thanks for doing this. Yeah, of course. Thank you guys for, for having me on. So set the scene for us. The first time you watch the docuseries, I don't know if you watch your episode first, if you went oh. in order, episode one to five. It set. Where were you when you watched this for the first time? Okay. Uh, it's going to be super like anticlimactic to like what you guys are probably like expecting. Um, I was in my hotel room in Australia the week before Australian Open. So I only saw this probably less than a week before everyone else saw it and i watched it over zoom because they can't risk like sending me the episode of having it leaked or anything so i watched it over zoom over incredibly bad internet connection <laughs> um where it was just like cutting out all the time and it was just my parts so i wouldn't you know i i, I don't know i it wasn't uh this incredible like amazing moment or anything <laughs> so with that said most people will go their entire lives on this planet without ever watching themselves in a documentary style film on netflix so what does that feel like yeah no, it's definitely it's definitely really cool to um i don't know just to like to to be in this this show on netflix and to kind of be in this in this group of like people who are um the word I'm looking for I don't know just just like a thing that's going to be making tennis hopefully like growing tennis making tennis more popular just to like be a part of that is is a more I guess special to me than even just like being on the show but it's it, it's really really cool for sure it's definitely not something that I expected to be you know happening um, in my life like a while ago 
Yeah, you're now not only a Masters 1000 champion, you're a Netflix star, Taylor. You have your own series, so you can knock well, that I off. I was the... a star, but... <laughs> Rising star, we'll say. You'll get the uh, the next-gen Netflix call-up this year, depending on how the ratings look. But, um, yeah. you know, f- I am curious because you talk about that opportunity to help shine a light on everything that happens on the ATP Tour. When did Netflix approach you about being a part of this series and what was your initial reaction um it was before australia started um in 2022 and initial my initial reaction was like of, like of course i want to be a part of this like i i i think everything kind of came at a very good time just with how i finished 2021 um they i guess the interest was there um from them to to follow me because i guess with the signs at the end of 2021 it it pointed in the direction of maybe there there might be some things worth capturing in 2022 so it came at a very good time for me and i was like yeah i mean of course i'll of course i'll uh, be a part of this yeah i mean you're absolutely right it they definitely caught you at the right time and you know, I am curious because watching this series, one thing we all learned is how routine-based all of you pro players are. And mm-hmm. I can only imagine, you know, first day on the job, there's a camera following ev- you everywhere you go. How difficult was it to be yourself and how weird was it to adjust to, again, being a part of a docu-series where, you know, every time you're saying, man, this drill sucks, it's caught on camera. Uh, honestly, I didn't think it was, I, I don't think it was hard to be myself on camera when, um, when we were like at the courts and doing our like routines and stuff. Cause like, that's just like, it's the same stuff every time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, especially like on a match day, like I'm very locked into like doing what I'm going to do and like being ready to go. So I'm not even like thinking about like the camera there. It's just, it, it, that's where it's like very like kind of fly on the wall type thing. And they film, I mean, they film so much stuff that like just never got you, never will get used, you know? Um, but I, I was very much just myself. And I, I do think it maybe at times is awkward when we're like filming stuff off the court a little bit because it's like, I don't know when they're filming me like in my hotel room, like my life's not that exciting. Like, like <laughs> I, I know that like, I know that they're, probably looking to get certain things but i also like don't want to like force anything and so we're kind of just like you know sitting there and that, and that that could be a little bit difficult but i always tried to just just be me and this like I, I didn't want to like come off as like i don't know i felt like if i tried to come off as fake or, or different it'd be like you can tell i feel like if you go out to 14 meals over the course of a tournament, let's say Indian Wells, you're there the entire time, obviously making the final. How many of those meals are Netflix cameras at? Oh, um, oh, Indian Wells, maybe like one. It wasn't okay. away from the court. The thing, the away from the court's filming was not that much. It was, it was, it was minimal. And speaking of India Wells, Gruskin and I were talking about this after watching episode three of this first batch of episodes, which is the episode that most heavily features you. 
And obviously the big storyline, the big drama is the ankle injury that you sustained in practice and denying all of the, the people around you because you just needed to play that match uh, and, and you refused to, to pull out. And then you end mm -hmm. up, um, and then you end up winning. I don't think I'm spoiling it for anybody there. Uh, <laughs> so we were wondering if in hindsight, now that you look back at it, the ankle injury helped you play better in that final because it was hard to focus on the occasion or Rafa or any of those things. And you were just happy to be out there playing. I well, think... just before and just to follow up on that, because I think there's an important part. A, there's a rumor going around that when you first sustained the ankle injury, the Netflix guy yelled cut and they go, Taylor, we need you to fall again. Like we didn't That's get the hilarious. fall perfectly the first time. <laughs> Is that true? Absolutely not. So, <laughs> so, so here's here's how everything happened. What what was actually missed on the uh, the show was that um, they they made it seem like the injury came the the morning of. Um, I think that's when I the morning of is when I was like, oh, like I'm, I'm I don't think I can play. Um. Because anyone who's played kind of maybe you don't understand this, maybe you don't, but like sometimes you tweak something, you have like a weird injury and then you kind of just sleep on it, wake up the next day and it's gone. And like sometimes that happens and that happens quite a bit to me. And the injury actually happened at the second to last game I played against Rublev in the semis. And there's one point where he like went behind me and I like jammed on my ankle really hard to like stop myself and then push back basically just like had to stop all my weight. Cause like he did, he, he kind of wrong footed me, went behind me. And then I was really struggling. I actually like asked the, the uh, chair empire to call the trainer for me. Um, when Rublev was serving the last game that I ended up breaking him for Matt, I actually asked him to call the trainer during that game. So I knew I had tweaked something. Um, I didn't really know how bad it was. I did a lot of treatment on it and then, woke up the next morning and it didn't like feel that bad. I felt like when I was running, I was like, uh, you know, like, I don't, I, I don't know about it. If, I don't know. And then we actually get on the court to start the warm up, And the first time I take a step where I like kind of laterally push off the ankle. Cause that's not something I did when I was like warming up. I just biked and like ran in the straight line. I never did any like side steps in my warm up before I actually got onto the practice court. So the first like lateral explosive step I took, it was just like the sharpest pain ever. Like I screamed, like went down to the ground. I was like, oh, this is awful. And then I, they also didn't show in the documentary after that happened once I like got up again and like tried to do some side shuffles to see if like maybe just that one thing was like a fluke. And I just consistently felt it every single time I tried to like sideways push off because it was like, a, I guess the inner the inner part of my ankle like under my ankle bone was was like inflamed and like i had like nerves and tendons like pushing into each other so it was just creating this really sharp pain whenever i would um push off because then that would just like jam it all together even more and yeah i mean basically that's that's the the long story of like what the injury actually was but the other to answer the other question I felt like it helped me go when I was on the court in terms of like 
I just knew I had absolutely nothing to lose for sure. Like I said it in a tweet the other day, like being injured or even people thinking you're injured, even if you're not, it's just a depressurizer. You have a reason like it's, it, it depressurizes and maybe, and some people might do that on purpose. I absolutely don't like I had a serious injury and I didn't think I was going to play. So it definitely, it definitely though, like loosened me up and I was like, you know, who cares? Like I'm injured. Like, let's just, let's just go out there and like, just do what I can. Well, to that point in the docuseries, they show a conversation between yourself, Paul Anacone, Michael Russell, and, you know, both Paul and Michael were very, very adamant about if you think you're going to risk any further injury, particularly given the fact that you were not that far removed from sustaining a serious injury at the French Open just six months prior. And, you know, mm-hmm. they were pretty adamant about you maybe pulling pulling the withdrawal card and not stepping onto the court. And yet we as viewers get to see a determination from you. And dare I say an honesty that I think resonates with all of us of just like, look, this is my f- chance and I'm not letting it go away. Talk me through those hours before the match and what that conversation was like, because I thought that was one of the more captivating moments of the series. Yeah. So, I mean, as soon as I felt those, like those push off steps on the practice court, we were only like, you know, two minutes into like being on the court. And I was like, guys, like, there's just no chance we can like even do this warm up. We have to go straight to the physio room and just start kind of working through possibilities to see if I can play. Um, Cause it was, it was about the worst pain of like when I felt it, like when I had that like push off step and that pinch, like that, I got that short pain. It was like, it was the po- worst possible pain that I could, that I could feel. Um, not something that I could, I could play through. Cause it's so like, it's so like sharp. Um, so we went to the training room, tried taping it in lots of different ways, tried like three different tape jobs, tried moving on it. None of those made it any better. And then, you know, finally, we, we went for the the um, injections. We went for one, um, just numbing. And then at first, it didn't feel amazing. But then once it kind of started to, like, kick in, I started to be able to, like, do a lot of the movements that I previously wasn't able to do. And it still hurt, but it wasn't, like, it wasn't that bad. And then that's when I was, like, finally, like, okay, like, I actually think that, that I could that I could probably play. So... Everyone was still trying to convince me not to because no one knew what it was. Um, it's too early before the match to, or it's too like there's not enough time for me to like get it scanned and like see what's going on with it. You know, there were so many things that it could have been. Um, but I just, I don't know. I, I really wanted to play. So when I went on the practice court the second time to hit balls, it wasn't like, incredible or anything like i think you could hear in the documentary them saying like oh you're still favoring it it still doesn't look like perfect but i'm like this is enough like this is at least enough for me to know that like i can go on the court and like try to play like this so i got another shot to make sure that i was gonna it was gonna be even stronger and it was gonna last for like the duration of the match obviously and and i don't know i just i went and went and played and it was very much like you know i if i can at least feel that good then there's there's just no chance that i like don't go out and play because it's the finals of Indian wells like if i didn't play that match i'd be thinking about it like my whole life like 
I, I would just I would just always be thinking about the mat. I would like always be thinking about it. So I was like, I have to at least like try it, you know. Mm-hmm. And no. then obviously being on court with the adrenaline and everything too, I like I didn't like I did not even feel my ankle at all. No, I mean, again, spoiler alert for our listeners or people who haven't watched the episode, but it ends pretty fun for Taylor. So maybe go check that out. And by the way, one of my favorite quotes of the series, just another day for him, biggest match of my life. Like, yeah, that I, I, you, you, per, you put it perfectly how we imagine it must feel to face Rafael Nadal. That said, I think my favorite quote from you from the episode is at the start when they're talking to you about American men's tennis and they say, you know, who's the best American right now? And you go, guys, you're going to make me look like a cocky asshole. And then you get a little smirk on your face and you're like, well, I do have an answer to this question. And- oh, yeah. I'm like, well, it's 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 me. But like, I, I need to like you can you can change it around like a bunch of ways. Well, I had to like preface it and be like, okay, well, ranking wise, like if you want to break this down from like numbers, it's it it is me. So yeah, but like you're gonna you can edit this in any way you want. Where I'm saying I'm better than everyone else, and it looks <laughs> yeah. Look, no justification needed here on this show, Taylor. Yeah. We believe you, but I am curious, and I know it's only been a couple of months, but between the Netflix series, the Indian Wells title, the wave of American men's tennis success we've seen over the past few months. Have you felt a difference? Do you feel when you walk around that people are like, hey, that's Taylor Fritz, uh, you know, Taylor Fritz, rising Netflix star? They don't say Flitz, right? Well, Flicks, Taylor Flicks, because he's Taylor Netflix. Um, no, definitely, definitely, I would say um, I have been seeing myself more people coming up to me um over the past couple months um whether i'm like out i'd say i'd say it it's been there in like when i'm in europe and stuff it's more common people are more into tennis but i think definitely since the show has come out especially um i can definitely see that more people seem into it in in the states and i just i do find myself more people coming up to me and talking to me um in the u.s as well so it's it's just great to see that like people are kind of like um i guess caring about the show even caring about tennis enough to like just see me and like recognize me i was playing a pickup soccer game last like literally <laughs> two days ago and and some dude on the other team was like had to have also been like close to my just like dude like i just i just like watched you play or something and i was like oh wow it's, it's crazy <laughs> That's, that is great to hear. We, uh, we, we're all hoping that this helps tennis reach the masses more. Now, th- that kind of brings me to thinking about the target audience here. It's been important to keep in mind from our perspective covering the show that it's not necessarily the diehard tennis fan. So I am fascinated yeah. to hear what's the buzz like in the locker room. I mean, you guys understand exactly what it's been like or what it is like to be on tour. And now this show is trying to portray that so i'm sure you've talked to to your buddies in the locker room uh what is the feelings about how the show came out so here's here's the thing i actually haven't watched like i didn't watch every episode and every part of every episode like i the, like you said the show is catered towards people that they don't know the stories they don't know who wins what they don't know these people um and that's what makes it entertaining and I think the reception has been great from people that aren't so much in the tennis world. Like, I feel like 
from what I've heard, the reviews and what people are telling me, like it's good. People people seem to enjoy the show. Um, I'd say inside the tennis world, it's everyone understands that it's not catered to tennis players, and to us, it's it's gonna be um, just not as exciting. You know, it, it's just that's how it is. That's how they made it. That's how they intended it to be, and that's how I prefer it to be. That it's catering to attracting new fans and not pleasing um, pleasing us. So. Yeah. Very, very well said. One more for me, Taylor. You were, of course, along with Maria Sakari, uh, the centerpiece of episode five. But I thought Paul Anacone, who <laughs> has been uh, your coach for quite a while at this point, or one of them, uh, was also a star. And they chose to focus on him pretty heavily. I think just to simplify it for the viewers, but uh, Mike Russell is there. You have a, a, a whole other team of people. I'm not sure how much you're in contact with David Nankin, but uh, I know that there's probably still some information being exchanged between you and, and Coach Nankin at this point, who's still with the USTA. Can you paint the picture of kind of how all of your coaches work harmoniously so that it's a well-oiled machine and you're getting the right information from the the right people like it, it has to be some kind of coordination uh when you have multiple minds in your corner trying to figure out how to best guide you yeah well we have i mean it, it, it's really pretty simple we have great communication between the core team which is my agent um matt fawcett and then paul and then mike and then physio wolf and those four are very good about communicating with each other and communicating with me. And um, at the end of, I mean, starting 2022, Nanks and I stopped working together. He's just more full-time now at Carson USTA, like not doing as much traveling. So it's not like anything like happened there. He just wasn't going to travel. So I had to, that's why I hired uh, Mike full-time and it's been great. So, um, when I, you know, I'll see next when I'm at, I'm at training at Carson and stuff, but there's not, um, I guess anything, anything there anymore, like us, us working together. But, um, so the team is Paul, Mike, Wolf, Matt, myself, um, and Paul, you know, handle a lot of the training when I'm in LA when I'm training, he's he's there every day with me at, at Carson and uh, always working on stuff. And then when I'm traveling and he's he's not with me on the road, he's still texting me and checking on me every day and talking to me before matches and stuff like that. And then Mike's, you know, the more hands-on person that's with me, um, traveling with me basically every week. And then Wolf as well probably spends more time with me than, than any other person. He's working on the table with me like minimum two hours a day and he travels everywhere as well. So we just have a kind of a just great communication amongst our team and everyone kind of has their like different roles. I feel like Michael Russell is the consigliere for push-ups. I went, I, we grew up at the same high school and the stories you hear about young Michael Russell – they're they're just amazing and so yeah, no, he, yeah. he's still in better shape than like most of the 
the guys that are like playing on tour for sure. Yeah, he challenges the uh, United Cup team to four out of seven sets, and they all declined. And so, yeah, that's why you guys were cruising. But, you know, um, again, my my last question for you, Taylor, is one of the big things we saw, I think, permeate throughout every episode was this idea that all of you players, to reach the highest level of the game— there's an obsession that comes alongside reaching those heights and the sacrifice that comes with that obsession. You mentioned it earlier in this interview that, you know, sometimes off the court, you don't live the most exciting lifestyle. You know, do you think, you know, again, you talked about things left on the cutting room floor. We didn't get a FIFA session out of you, which was a crime to tennis fans everywhere. I wouldn't want to do that to you guys. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But, um, you know, that obsession do you think they capture that accurately? Was there a little, you know, did they exaggerate the extent to which that is or how much sacrifice truly goes into it? I think they got a lot of like what it means to like the players and like how bad everyone wants it. I think they captured that. But like, yeah, like I'm not, I, I let's put it this I, I separate my time into two. Like I, I, I live almost two different lives. I'd say. I live my life when I'm on the road playing tournaments I'm definitely a different person. I'm way more like focused and locked in and the way I'm eating is different and how I'm mentally preparing myself at all times is different. What I'm doing off the court is different because I need to like, what I'm doing off the court is like basically nothing because I need to just like be fresh and be mentally like ready to like play matches and, and, and just day in day out, like be grinding. And then me at home is different because I'm, I'm, uh training really hard during the day longer than i normally would but once i get done with that i'm i'm doing whatever i want i'm trying to have fun and i'm trying to enjoy my time at home i'm trying to not be on a crazy diet um not eat like but (laughs) i'm trying i feel like it helped it, it really helps me stay hungry and be motivated when i'm when i'm traveling and playing tournaments if i can enjoy my time at at home and and so that's that's kind of like the two different uh i don't know how i how i space my time out i guess and it, but when you're on the road and the parts that you know they're following and capturing it's it's not it it, it, it really is not that much going on Yeah. No, I mean, look, you talk about the diet. No one's quicker to flash the six pack than Taylor Fritz. I mean, that's a quick shirt to the six pack. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Look, whatever you're doing, it's working. Uh, We're so happy with with your success over the last couple of years, up to eight in the world, and uh, excited to continue to watch you for 2023. Hope the Netflix stuff uh, continues. We're hoping for some continuation. Uh, to to see the same players because I, I think fans of the show uh, they want to get attached to certain characters and continue to see them over and over and over yeah. again. So uh, we hope for that. Yeah, hopefully I can I can have some good results for them to uh, good enough for them to uh, make into make into something for season two. So, well, Taylor, thanks again so much for doing this um, and and coming on the show. Yeah, appreciate yeah, thank it, you Taylor. Guys. Yeah, thank you guys.